Yes, indeed. We are back with the nation's college basketball show and podcast. It is college basketball coast to coast. I am the somewhat capable host, TJ Reeves. Happy Valentine's Day as we release this podcast on the 14th of February. That means we've only got 14 more days until the best month of all for college basketball. And really, I think in sports, which is the month of March and the NCAA tournament conference tournament plays first. Then the big dance, then the final four in Houston. All of that is looming. Thank you for finding us. Make sure you're following or subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify under College Basketball Coast to Coast. Follow us socially at CBB Coast to Coast, the number two. CBB for college basketball, CBB Coast to the number two coast uh, to find us there on social media. And uh, again, we thank you for the partnership with Last Word on Sports and their podcast a network of shows. Go to lastwordonsports.com for everything college basketball. Tons to get to uh, here today. We'll do it straight ahead with the Basketball Hall of Famer and the United States Basketball Writers Hall of Fame. Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News will be here on all subjects, uh, including the controversy with the Duke-Virginia a replay review that overturned what should have been free throws for Duke for the win. That still resonates three days later. Uh, Duke going to be back in action as we release this podcast with Notre Dame uh, coming on Tuesday night. We'll talk with Mike about the replay stuff. We'll talk with Mike about officiating and whether or not the officials exercising the loophole of being able to work over and over and over and over again, night after night, five in a row, six in a row, eight nights out of nine, whether that's a good thing or not, and how do you correct it or not. And then I want a couple of more things from Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News. That includes a story or a, a team, a player, something that we're not talking enough about. I, I want uh, him to weigh in on that. And then give me a team that's dangerous right now, besides all of the noteworthy Purdue's and Alabama's and Gonzaga's and Kansas and all the all the teams up at the top that we know about and and believe are going to be the best. Besides the Blue Bloods, give me somebody else that's dangerous. Michael, weigh in on all of those. Then later in the podcast, let's talk some SEC. Speaking of one of the teams at the top, Alabama. Not just Bama football, but Bama basketball. Number one in the country for the first time in 20 years. Only the second time ever in program history. They've been ranked number one. Bama takes to the floor with Tennessee, a wounded rival. Not just football rival, but a basketball rival. That is Wednesday night in Southeastern Conference play. Chris Stewart, the voice of the Crimson Tide uh, basketball on radio, did a great job filling in as well for Eli Gold for the football season uh, as well. Love Chris's insight. He'll work that Bama-Tennessee game on uh, the midweek, and then obviously Alabama stretch run continues with Georgia at home this weekend, which we believe that's the first time ever that Alabama has hosted a game Win or lose, they're still going to be the number one ranked team. It'll be the first time they've hosted a game as the number one team in the country in Tuscaloosa ever coming this weekend. How good is this Bama team? What is Nate Oates doing that's not uh, maybe uh, well-known enough for the success of this team? Chris has got all of that coming in a few minutes, and we'll also play some who's in or who's out in a bit. Without further delay, though, let's get this show underway with one of the top national pundits in the game. As promised, love this man's insight. He continually, every year, lets me bother him with text messages, phone calls. Can you please come on with me on the coverage here on College Basketball Coast to Coast, the podcast, the show on TuneIn? I am proud to say that it looks as though I'm going to be back. I don't know if this is a uh, 
a warning for you or whatever. It looks like I'm going to be back around you at the Final Four again in Houston, Texas. We're looking forward to that awesome. coming up later this year. Hello, Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News and the Big Ten Network. Good to have you back on uh, the college basketball coast-to-coast coverage that we have here. Uh, how are we feeling as we embark on another weekend? March is almost here. How are we feeling? Well, I- I'm feeling great. Uh, this season is I've, I've been doing this nationally for sporting news. This is my 28th season, I think. There's never been a season like this. Mm. We've never had one. And and what the, the distinctive feature about this season, it's somewhat similar to 2014, uh, but at least that year we had a team that was a legitimate champion that didn't stay a legitimate champion because Brandon Ashley got hurt and Arizona lost. Uh, it's first game right after Brandon got hurt. Or maybe it was in the game. I think it was when he got hurt in the game. It was either Cal or Stanford. He gets hurt that night. They lose that game. First loss of the year. He never comes back. And they're good, but never great again. And nobody else in the country was great. And that's this year. Now, Purdue is a great team, but they are not a typical NCAA champion in that they do not have a, they don't have anybody that you look at and say, that guy's a first round pick. And we have not had a team win a national championship without a first-round pick. How long, TJ? How long has it been? I I bet you know the answer. I'm going to say 15 years. Am I close? Oh, gosh. No, 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 no. 1987. (laughs) 1987. Now, Steve Alford in those days would have been a first-round pick if there were 30 teams, 32, you know. Right. uh, But there were 24 maybe, and I think he was the second pick of the second round. But that's it. That's how long it's been. God, so I could happen this year is what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, I remember being courtside at 2016's championship game with Villanova, Carolina Mm -hmm. and Villanova wins it. And those of us who know these facts are looking at each other and saying, did they just break this? And then a year later, Josh Hart's a first round pick. And then two years after that or a year after that, Mikhail Bridges is the top 10 pick. So sometimes you don't always see them, but when I look at Purdue, I don't see that. I see a great college basketball team, but I don't see that. When I look at Kansas, I see a great college basketball team. But TJ, I don't think we've had a team win a national championship with a six, seven center since like 1964. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, that's a long time. You just referenced uh, the uh, final four with Chris Jenkins making that game winning shot. Uh, that night in Houston to defeat North Carolina in uh, in the amazing uh, finish at NRG Stadium. And we'll be back there soon enough. And, yeah, you could probably say the same thing right now about Alabama. Is there somebody on the tide that's a legitimate first-round pick? Uh, yes. And they're one yes. of the contenders. There is. There they, is. Brandon right. Miller is a, is a – he's a top-10 guy. He'll be – they'll be fine with that. But, um, you know, they're very young and, and point guard – uh, you know, I'm not positive that they've got that position locked down. I mean, they have multiple guys. When Javon Quinterly's coming off the bench for you, you're pretty solid <laughs> at the position, but usually it's a dominant guy. Even if the dominance comes in, you know, the dominance could come in a player of the year package like uh, Jalen Brunson 2018, or it could come uh, what I always refer to because <laughs> I'm old enough to remember uh, Jimmy Black. Uh, yes. So yeah, Jimmy Black with Carolina, can you win the championship with a guy who runs the team, guards the ball, uh, and, and and makes sure everybody gets shots? And that's basically what happened a year ago with DeWan Harris leading Kansas. He was 2021's, 2022's Jimmy Black. 
That's who he was. Uh, and 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 there's no person in basketball happier to be the next Jimmy Black than Dewan Harris. It's what he wants. The Hall of Famer, Mike DeCourcy, and the Basketball Writers Hall of Fame from the Sporting News is with me. He's a clinic right now. I'm going to make you smile because I love the history of the game, and you know that I do. Uh, that 87 Steve Alford, Keith Smart uh, team that ends up winning the national title, they won it obviously against Syracuse. But if fans want to get really revved up for the Final Four, and if you wanted to take a look at the future of college basketball, even in 1987, go watch the semifinal with oh. Indiana and UNLV. And I know I'm playing your song. Yes. Tarkanian's UNLV team had been number one in the country earlier that year. Uh, the late Armand, the Hammer Gilliam, Mark Wade. Is it still correct? Mark Wade has the all-time uh, Final Four assist record with 20, and that was in that game against yes. Indiana for a Final Four game. Offered making every shot, it seems like. That's an epic semifinal game. Go find it on YouTube, kids. Uh, those of you that are young, those of you that are, uh, you know, Gen Z, uh, millennials or whatever, don't think basketball existed before 2010, go go look it up. <laughs> 87 semifinal. Uh, there as you brought that up uh, with Alford and, uh, and with that team. Okay, you've got to be proud of me because we've been talking for like three or four minutes. And I've wanted to get you on for one primary take, and here it comes, and I haven't brought it up until now. How in the world did Kyle Filipowski not end up with free throws at the end of the Duke-Virginia game when we have instant replay in 2023? The floor is yours. In 2005, as someone who follows the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Steelers were in Indianapolis for a divisional round game against the Colts. Colts were by far the favorite, not only to beat the Steelers that day, but to also win the championship. And late in the game, the Steelers are ahead and Peyton Manning is trying to rally the team and he throws the ball directly to Troy Palomalo. Troy catches the ball, falls down to the ground, gets up. As he's getting up, he knocks the ball out of his own hands with his knee and then he falls on it or a team falls teammate falls on it. i'm not sure can't remember that part but it was a it was steelers possession at that point and they went to replay and they said it was no catch it was no interception even though he caught it went down stood up and knocked the ball out of his own hands not a catch i said that day never want to see another replay again <laughs> it's garbage because if you can't get the call right by using replay then why are you wasting, yeah. A, wasting my time, and B, changing the very nature of how we watch sports? Because here's what it used to be. Ball, ball is caught in the end zone, touchdown, guy throws his arms up. I either celebrate or I agonize, depending on which team. Now, here's what we do. Ball's thrown in the end zone, guy throws his arms up, and we stand there and say, was that a touchdown? Was that good? Is that, do, do, should I be happy? Should I be sad? Or should I just sit here and wait for a while until they tell me? It's garbage. And this is another example of how trash the entire concept is because they took a correctly called play. Kyle Filipowski fouled before the buzzer and then go to the monitor and somehow con con contort the whole thing into he was fouled after the buzzer. Now, when remember, the, the light on the backboard goes red when the ball is two feet wide, minimum two feet wide of, of, of the opposite side of the board. So Filipowski has released the ball. The ball is on the other side of the board and the light goes red. So how was he fouled after the buzzer? 
Okay, that's the first thing. And then it, and I'll, I'll admit to not knowing this rule, but I am not an official. It didn't matter because whether the foul happened before, during, or after the buzzer, as long as he began his shooting motion before the buzzer mm-hmm. and then was fouled, he's still protected until it's over. Like you can't just because he releases his shot, then go roll in and clip out his legs. Right. But people would be doing it all the time. Correct. So, so that's against the rules. So the ACC issues a rule, a, a, a apology, I guess you could call it and gets it wrong too. Even they're wrong because they said that the foul was after the fact, but it wasn't. And so they basically tried to cover for the officials egregious decision to pull back the foul call by basically just pointing to the idea that they got the rule wrong. When in fact, they'd not only gotten the rule wrong, but they'd also gotten the replay review wrong. So it was doubly wrong. And again, why I wish it would go away with all of my heart. I wish there were no replay. If you're going to if you're going to have replay and it's perfect, I can live with it. But if you're going to have replay and you're going to have as many errors inserted or some segment of errors inserted as you correct, it's not worth changing sports in the way that they change it. That is uh, well said. I will say to you that I have done what I'm doing now locally or nationally for the better part of 30 years. I'm getting old, Mike. You're not getting old. And I have always maintained that if I can see that it's obviously wrong on a replay, we got to be able to change it. I am now coming around. Maybe it's my old age. I'm coming around to we have we have just too many variables, too many problems. Can we not go back? to just play the game and call the game because when we can't even get it right with a replay uh, and, and another variable on this, they take forever now to review. And for those guys to stand over there in Charlottesville the other night and take three minutes, what are you looking at for three minutes? If you're not looking at, was it before the red light? Like you mentioned, they can't review whether it was a foul. That's not allowed. Right. So what are you looking at for three minutes, if not for did it happen before the red light? It's dumbfounding that you could stand there for 20 seconds and not see it once and say, put him on the line. It's two free throws. Whether he makes one of them or not is up to him, but right. put him on the line. So I may be coming around, Mike DeCourcy, to I, it will never happen. We know that we're going to have I replay. Know. I know we, we got to do something. I keep saying this. It's along the same lines. And then we're going to move on. We got to do something with the length of review. Yeah. And that's got to come at the NCAA level or something to say you are no longer going to stand there for three, four five minutes. You're going to stand there for 90 seconds. And if you can't tell, then the call stands. That's it. I would. I would. I would it. Like to see. I would like to see in college basketball. If we're stuck with this, if we're going to have it, I would like to see a challenge system because I I, I just don't like, you know, for, first of all, every single out of bounds play now in the last minute, two minutes is, is reviewed, mm-hmm. agonizing. It drives viewers crazy. If, if I'm the, if I am, a, if I am a coach and I think that that possession is going to change the outcome of the game, potentially, then, you know, give me, give me two challenges. Uh, and I'll probably save him for the end of the game unless something's egregious. Uh, and then we'll then we'll go from there. I, I 
I do think the NBA has the replay system a lot better. I like the fact that A, you can challenge multiple different offenses. B, when they do it, they come over, they tell you what they're looking at. As a, as a, as a viewer, they tell you what you're looking at. Uh, and then and then they go from there. I think that system is much better than what we have in college basketball. Another thing that drives me nuts is the, in many of the cases, and this this has been true at a lot of NCAA tournament sites, I think it's still true. They won't show you the replays in the arena. And I think that's ridiculous. The amount of money you spend as a, as a customer to get into that building uh, they may have changed this, but I don't know that. But right. I'm still at various gyms that do and don't. But everybody, if they're going to use replay as a vehicle to decide calls, the fans in the building deserve to see it as much as the more so, really more so. Agreed. They paid to get in. Yes. I'm sitting at home. They pay drastically to get in, which yes. is your point uh, on that. Love Mike's insight. All right, one more. I don't want to go down the rabbit hole for five minutes. But I, I, it is something I'm not trying to make this I, I, I. It is something that I was talking about, and you were on with me on occasion from Final Fours and even on uh, on Fox Sports Radio a decade ago in 2012, in 2013, in 2014. I was talking about we got to get this under control with officials working four nights in a row, five nights in a row, seven out of eight, ten out of eleven. We've got to get this under control, Mike. It's 10 years later, and it's even more out of control. I don't want to turn this into you and I sounding like get off my lawn guy, but you cannot, cannot be the same official the third night in a row in a third different place after you've been in an airport for the third straight day, much less the fifth time in six nights, the much less the seventh time in eight or the eighth time in nine. And I believe it's contributing to some of the problem, not the whole problem, some of the problem, these upper echelon guys that are working that many times in a row over the next, you know, seven days, 10 days. And as you uh, extend it out, the NBA doesn't do this with their full-time paid officials. The NHL doesn't do this. They're never working three nights in a row. Never. never. All right. So give me your thoughts. I've said my piece. First off, um, the, the, this was the first incident I'd ever heard of, and, and people may be aware of it. I, I don't need to say the individual's name, but uh, this is the first circumstance I ever heard of this year where a official worked a game and then had and then had to fly a red eye in order to get to an afternoon game. He worked a game in the Bay Area, flies mm-hmm. to the Midwest to do an afternoon game, and so therefore is working on off a red eye. And if you've taken one, man, you know what right. that next is like. Uh, so that happened this year. And really, the problem is essentially unsolvable. It's that simple because the conferences don't want the NCAA to run the officiating. Now, the NCAA runs the officials for the NCAA tournament and the NIT because they own the NIT now. But that's it. And they set standards and they help educate the officials and they certify the officials and all of that. But they don't assign them because the conferences don't want that. And so, each conference wants the best game officials. Their coaches want them. The administration. I get that. Okay, can I take issue with you respectfully? Yes. The NCAA is in charge of the whole thing. If a no. conference were, if a conference were to say, we don't like the three point shot being whatever it is. For, forgive me, twenty one four, twenty one feet. We want the three point shot to get, not as drastic okay. as the ACC, but we want it to be. We want it to be nineteen feet from now right. on. The NCAA would have the ability to say, you're not doing that. 
You're not. I mean, they they well, they, or you're they taking couldn't a real stop risk them from doing do. it, TJ. They couldn't stop them, but they could definitely lean on them. And if well, the NCAA... here's what they could do: they would say, "Okay, your games don't count for a qualification," <laughs> and then it would stop. But and that's so... what they do with officials. But they, uh, yeah, it, but they can't. But they can't tell the conferences whom to hire. Each con- each each official is an independent contract. Why can't? But why can't they say? For the quality of the game, you cannot participate in a system that has a referee working four nights in a row or five nights in a row. We are the law when it TJ, comes. TJ, that's to restraint us. of trade. It's that simple. If if the NCAA were to tell um, Fox or the Big Ten Network that they can't use me uh, three nights a week or whatever, then they would be restraining my trade. And it's the same with game officials. Yeah, I don't. I don't go that. I don't go that far. It is because I the don't... NCAA doesn't own the regular season product. They only own. I get that. I get that. Okay, that's a good argument. Product. You're you're being a good lawyer here in front of the I, court. I shouldn't have to be, but I court of public you know, opinion. But in terms in terms of the quality of what you're doing, that would be up to your employer on your analogy, the Big Ten Network. And if they feel like if you're on the fourth night in a row, or the seventh night and eight, and the tenth and eleventh, and they want to sit you down then that would be up to them and part of part of the problem here is as you mentioned there's not enough quality of officials so that's part of the problem but the other problem is there's not it's not regulated it's not it i mean these guys are doing what they want to do it used to be here we go again with going back older and then we're going to move on i promise uh it used to be that a conference was usually only playing on two nights a week let me say again, two nights a week, not four or five nights like they like to spread it out now. These guys all had full-time jobs, and they knew in their full-time jobs there are two nights, usually one in, in the middle of the week and one on a weekend, where these are the days that you are working as an official and the rest of the time you have a job. Now it has gotten to the point where officiating is your full-time job. And because it's not regulated, we have guys that are, and it's not just one, it's numerous ones of them that are working way too much and the product suffers. I know I'm not telling you anything you don't know. So you have no light at the end of the tunnel for me on no, how we change uh, this? None. Uh, because you... because it's, a, it's an impossible problem to fix. It can only be fixed uh, by the... Uh, Why can't the NCAA come forward and say, we're going to have full-time officials, here they are, we're going to be in charge of it and all you conferences have to do this or it's not going to work? The conferences own the regular season product. The NCAA mm-hmm. does not and cannot. Because and again, look, the NCAA has enough problems with antitrust and right. all that stuff that they've had to deal with, uh, Alston decision and all of that. They, 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 this one's not worth it to them to try to to try to you know to Fair get enough. themselves sued over this. This isn't you know whether or not uh, a particular game official is at hundred percent or seventy five percent isn't isn't worth it to them to get themselves sued once again. All right. Fair enough. Let me go over a couple of topics with you as Mike DeCourcy is great to be with me on college basketball coast to coast for just a few more moments. Uh, we're approaching the month of March. What's the best story player or team that we're not talking enough about? You are a great one to give me insight. Give me one. I, I think that Keontae Johnson is a wonderful story. Uh, you know, the story he, 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 uh, well, I don't know what the exact verbiage is, but he passed out uh, at a game, uh, which I believe was a cardiac related issue Correct. Uh, in Florida, Florida State. He played for Florida Gators. So that's a great story. And, I, and it's wonderful to see him starring at Kansas State. But I don't think I think that's being paid attention to. And I'm glad of that. 
I think that's a great story that's getting attention. So you asked me one we're not paying enough attention to, and I didn't want to look like I wasn't conscious of that. But the one I think maybe we're not paying enough attention to is what's happening at Northwestern right now, which just knocked off the number one team, Purdue, on Sunday, and whose coach was, I, I don't do hot seat lists. I don't believe in that. It's not my job to tell people who to fire. Um, you can look at something and say, you know, I did write a, a story about uh, these coaches could use a good year. And I believe Chris <laughs> Collins was on it. Um, and he's having one. He's having a great year. And and it was a beautiful uh, scene on on Big Ten Network on Sunday, Andy Cass was interviewing Chris post game in the celebration of them beating the number one team for the first time in school history. Uh, and Chris's son, his older son, uh, who's a student at Northwestern, is a manager and came into the shot. And I was, was watching, crying, and what a moment! Yes, and yes, showing so much love and so much care for his dad, and it was just beautiful. And I would like everybody to be aware that Chris is a really good guy. Northwestern is not an easy job. Uh, he did the miraculous in 2017 of getting them to their first tournament in their history. And then uh, the next year, they should have been good, but I, they didn't have enough uh, of that. You know, they, they they sort of rode the wave a little bit too much. They came back and found out that it's, you know, you got there, but you got to work to stay there. And so they tried to rebuild another team. They lost two starters, two regulars, Pete Nance to Carolina, Ryan Young to Duke. They're both regulars where they are now. And without those two guys that went to two of the biggest programs in the country, they're better than they've been since 2017 and probably on their way to the tournament as long as they hold the rudder steady through the final weeks. I love Mike's insight. You catch him on the Big Ten Network, their uh, Big Ten basketball and beyond, and uh, their Big Ten Network programming. Indiana Northwestern, by the way, on Big Ten Network midweek as we release the show and the podcast coming Wednesday night, 8 Evanston, uh, Illinois time, 9 Eastern time, and that one should be very interesting. Indiana off the win over Michigan. Mike Woodson uh, in his second year has got them going along. Uh, again, uh, Northwestern 9-5 and five in the Big Ten. That'll be very interesting for Wednesday. One more. Who's a dangerous team right now to you? A dangerous March team besides all the usual suspects up at the top. You talked Purdue. You talked Alabama earlier or Kansas. The usual suspect. Give me another dangerous team, please, Mike. Creighton. Creighton at the start of the year was top 10. And they went to Maui and they played really well, but lost the championship game to Arizona. They come back and not long after that, Ryan Kalkbrenner, their star center, seven footer, great defender, unbelievable in the pick and roll on offense, starts to feel a little uh, not right. And But he plays through it and they try to figure out what's not right, but it takes him a little while. And after he plays three games and they lose all three because he wasn't very good, they found that he's mono. Mm. And so then he misses three more. And they lose those two. So they lost six games in two, three weeks and really fell out of the picture, so to speak. I don't think they were in my first bracket, which is issued in the final week of December at Fox. Uh, and then they've gradually built their way back up. Now, they have not played uh, the most difficult games in their conference. They played one or two. They played at UConn. Uh, I think that was that was their one difficult road game. I think they still have to go to Providence Xavier and Marquette if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. So they still have to prove it, but they've got everything. Uh, maybe they don't have that first round guy. Not sure about that. We'll see. 
but they've got everything. They got a terrific point guard in Nemhard, uh, Baylor Shireman, great passer, great shooter from 35 and, and, and in, maybe, maybe further than that. Trey Alexander, a terrific shooter. They have depth. Uh, Kalkbrenner, who I mentioned before, excellent coach in, in Greg McDermott. Mac does a, a wonderful job. And I think that we will see them in a top four seed position by the time this thing gets real. And no one is going to want them in their region because of everything that they bring at the offensive end. He's talking Creighton Blue Jays, who, as we get ready for the Big East to play this week, they're 11-3, and a half game back of Marquette. The Providence game that you referenced is the next game that's at Providence. That is Tuesday night as we release the podcast. They will play St. John's on the weekend. They do still have Marquette. Uh, on the schedule, but then it's a little easier with Villanova, who's not very good, Georgetown and DePaul to finish uh, for Creighton. And a, and a Creighton team that out of the conference, I know it's all the way back in uh, November in the pre-conference, did beat Texas Tech and Arkansas on a neutral floor before losing to Arizona. Let's see how dangerous Creighton will be. I love that from Mike DeCourcy. I always love the insight. We'll read you in the Sporting News. We'll watch you on the Big Ten Network. When is the, uh, the bracketology out on your social media for foxsports.com. When do we find that as well, my friend? Every Tuesday and Friday, usually early afternoon, at CBB on Fox, as well as at TSN Mike Mine. Uh, it's not uh, uh, on mine. It's just Twitter. I don't do much of the other social stuff. But for, for Fox, it's across the board, Instagram, Facebook, et cetera. They'll post the bracket on all of those sites Uh uh, for their at CB at CBB on Fox. Yep, we love that. Follow him at TS, TSN Mike for the sporting news. Love his uh, insight on all things. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a Hall of Famer off the floor, too, with the time that he takes uh, with people, with loving the game. And I can't wait to be around you in March. It's almost here, brother. I can't wait to be around you. And if you let me bother you again at some point, I'd love to bother you again. Thank you, Mike DeCourcy, for letting me bother you here on College Basketball Coast to Coast. Enjoy all the games. Be well. And uh, thank you for keeping me straight, whether it's the officials, whether it's instant replay. I'm coming over to your side more so on instant replay. I didn't think I'd ever say that. But if we can't, if we can't get it under control and can't get it right, why have it? I'm with you. I'm with you on that. My thank you, my friend. I'm glad I changed one mind today, TK. Love that man's insights. And again, we'll try to get him back on uh, at some point in and around the month of March, Final Four time, et cetera, for Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News. Coming up, Chris Stewart, the voice of the Alabama Crimson Tide, with me to talk Tide number one team in basketball, not just football. How about they've been the number one team? We're going to talk to Chris about this. They've been the number one team in football last season. They went to Knoxville and got knocked off by the Tennessee Volunteers in football in a wild late-night game. Now they go to Knoxville as the number one basketball team. Hope that's not an omen for them. Chris, with me in a few moments, we're still going to play some who's in, who's out on the NCAA tournament bubble before we're done on college basketball coast to coast. Before we're done, though, a quick word about our partners at Ticket Smarter. Are you getting ready for the stretch run in college basketball? Are you getting ready for conference tournaments all over the place? Uh, whether that's the Big East tournament in New York, whether that's the SEC tournament in Nashville, whether that's the Big Ten tournament traditionally, uh, in Indianapolis, whether that is the Big 12 traditionally in uh, Kansas City, whether it's the Pac-12, which is now in Las Vegas, or the West Coast Conference every year in Las Vegas, or the Mountain West that's every year in Las Vegas. All these different leagues, conference tournaments, trying to get tickets, trying to go to the games, use our friends at Ticket Smarter and the Ticket Smarter mobile app. 
we want to make it worth your while too. We want to give you a discount with our promo code. Use hoops23 and take $10 off your order. Whatever that ticket order is, there's no minimum spend right now. If you're getting tickets, use our promo code on Ticket Smarter's mobile app or the Ticket Smarter uh, website, ticketsmarter.com. Check out the selection at all these different sites, all the biggest games down the stretch of the season, too, in the regular season. And even once we get to NCAA tournament time, Use Hoops23 on the checkout. Get 10 bucks off your order right now with Ticket Smarter. They are intertwined all over the place with college sports, with college basketball, with conferences like the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. And again, great ticket selection. Your purchase is 100% guaranteed. Utilize Ticket Smarter and the Ticket Smarter mobile app. And remember our promo code HOOPS23 gets $10 off your order. Take advantage of it. Think smarter, Ticket Smarter. As promised, looking forward to catching up with this man because, oh, they're only the number one team in the country right now, the Alabama Crimson Tide. I love the Tide's uh, radio voice for men's basketball and the Crimson Tide Sports Network. He also did a great job filling in for Eli Gold this past football season. Hello, Chris Stewart, uh, my sideline brother from another mother years ago. Glad you're doing well. Glad the Tide basketball is doing well. How are things? Man, things are awesome. I appreciate it so much. It's been a it's been an unbelievable several months, uh, but these last few with basketball have been really unreal. Um, as talented a group as I've ever been around for Alabama or anybody else for that matter, uh, young still with with great upside, which is the scary thing in terms of growth and development. Uh, but to have people as excited as they are about Alabama, you know, 21 years ago when this last happened, it was my first year doing play-by-play for, for Bama Hoops. Um, we won, I think, our first eight games and we're number one in the, in the nation. Football was struggling. That was at the end of the Dennis Franchoni year two and – just before Alabama was ranked number one, or maybe while they were ranked number one, he bolts to go to Texas A&M. And there's a lot of attention on the football stuff, understandably. So even then, you had basketball in the shadow of football to a degree, and then we we fell off the map with the rest of that season. Went from number one in the country on Christmas Day to the last at-large bid mm. on Selection Sunday. So it was not a great back half of the season. But that all being said, this is so different, so different. Um, there is a belief, and and I will be honest, I, I confess, while I don't see everybody as closely as I see this team, it's, uh, it's really cool to be able to say that today you don't feel like the team you follow has to take a back seat to anybody in the country. This is as good a team as there is in the game right now. Who will that be on the Monday night when they cut down the nets and, and it really matters for prosperity? Who knows? But today, it, it's nice to know that you got a dog in the hunt. Uh, no doubt. Uh, I want your thought, and again, we'll get into going to Tennessee and the SEC grind. But what kind of resolve has this team had to show after being beaten decisively by Oklahoma uh, back a couple yeah. of weeks ago, SEC Big 12 Challenge, and they have responded and, and have played really well, including at Auburn this past weekend. What have you seen over the last two weeks responding after that loss? I'll, I'll go back even further, TJ, because their first loss was in Portland 
and they got taken to the woodshed by UConn. Okay, that was after they'd won the opener against a really good Michigan State team. Um, turned around and get taken to the woodshed by by UConn, losing 18-plus, whatever the number was, and then had to turn around two days later and play North Carolina, which I, I know North Carolina has not turned out to be what North Carolina is accustomed to, but it still says North Carolina. It's still Carolina blue that they're wearing. Yeah, they beat them in four overtimes. That was huge mm. to do that two days later after the, the loss to UConn. Then they get Gonzaga in Birmingham just before Christmas or Christmas week, and you score 90 and still lose by double digits. So they had to bounce back from that, got better. Then, you know, frankly, uh, I joked on air when we were leading Vanderbilt in the next game, I guess it was Vandy, by 40 at the under eight media timeout, wound up winning it by 57, whatever the number was. I, I, I joked going to the commercial break. I said, fantastic to see that the ransom money has been paid and Alabama has gotten its roster back from whatever it was <laughs> that was in Norman, Oklahoma. And, uh, and they've played at a very high level since that time, obviously. They've, like, as I said, it's a long way to the finish line, but the toughness – the poise, um, the energy that they've played with, you know, the Auburn game, they played a bunch of really intense places. Houston was a fantastic atmosphere down 17 early in the second half. And if you had told me, in fact, I turned to our producer, uh, Tom Stipe, I turned to our producer in that Houston game. That place was rocking. We know how good, how tough uh, Kelvin Sampson's team is. I looked at Tom at the commercial. I said, if you tell me we only lose by 25 right now, I'll get on the bus and not say a word. And they come back and they win that thing. Mm -hmm. uh, that's one of several big-time environments they've played in. But you know it's Alabama-Auburn, so it's vicious when you go to the jungle. And to win in that setting uh, when you don't shoot it well, only made six threes, didn't shoot it well from the free throw line, well below their average for the year. Auburn was terrific in that sense. Um, and yet you still find a way to win that ball game by eight. Oh, it's a that's a great win. That's a fantastic win. And it's good because you gotta turn right back around and go to Tennessee and and play them on a Wednesday night. Yeah, no doubt. And we've seen this team uh, respond throughout the year, including beating my Memphis Tigers in the rematch game. That was right after that Houston game yeah. and responded after the Gonzaga game as well, rolling through the beginning of the SEC schedule, including beating Kentucky, including winning at Arkansas. So the response has been there. Uh, okay, a couple of fun ones just real quick while we have Chris Stewart here, the uh, voice of the Alabama Crimson Tide on the Crimson Tide Sports Network, Bama and Tennessee as we release the show in the podcast that is midweek Wednesday night in Southeastern Conference play more on that in a second uh, the Hall of Famer Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News was on with me and he was touting briefly Brandon Miller uh, and saying Ooh. NBA talent and what a player and I just I just heard the who from you yeah give me more and does he remind you somebody of somebody as you've been doing these games for so long and what do you see out of him as being a catalyst for this team real quick there are things you now I've heard other comparisons, but I'll tell you to me it, how smooth he is. The the analogy that I that I used, uh, if Michael Jordan had been human, 
<laughs> Brandon Miller would have reminded me of him. Okay. So I'm not talking about the, the freak athleticism and I'm not saying he's Jordan, but there are aspects to his game. You know, Jordan was six, 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 seven, mm-hmm. right. I mean, that's a, that's a big man doing the things that he did. And uh, I think maybe it's just us older guys, but smoother, more polished, better than LeBron. Okay. We know what LeBron is and it's going to be historically, but that's one on one. I'll take MJ and take my chances. Um, he's that type of guy, that smooth. I mean, the nickname is Be Smooth, and and he is. Um, but it's six nine, and developing strength. I mean, he's he's still a kid. He's still a child. He's not anywhere near what he's going to be in twelve months, let alone twenty four thirty six months. Um, He's going to be, you know, I've said it on multiple occasions during the broadcast. He'll do something. Enjoy it, Bama fans, while you got it. Because you're going to be watching it on television, uh, on the NBA broadcast very soon and for years to come. And he's just special. The ability to lose himself within the flow of the game. He's got great teammates. That's why this is a great team. It's not just one guy. I think Purdue's got a phenomenal player. I don't know enough about them to say definitively what their team is collectively, but there is one guy that that you know is the guy for Purdue, okay? You literally can talk about Alabama, and the conversation should start with Brandon based on what he's done, but you can go through a lot of names before you get to him. I'll tell you the best one. You – we're in Fayetteville, Arkansas. They hate us. Okay. <laughs> they hate, and, and, and it's okay. It's mutual. Um, it is rabid, phenomenal atmosphere. He had not only no points at halftime, he didn't take a shot in the first half. Mm. Okay. Still factored in winning and losing. I don't know what his assist number was, but he had some rebounds. He, it's not as if he disappeared, rode the pine the whole time. But he had no shots. Devo Davis and others did a great job on him. But it was a tie ball game at the half with maybe the national player of the year not getting a shot off. You go to the last few minutes, Bama had led by 12. Arkansas cuts it to two with four and a half to go. All of a sudden, Noah Clowney, who may be the second best player on the team and may be a lottery pick himself by the time we we get to uh, – NBA draft night, he hits a three. Now it's a five-point game. And all of a sudden, Brandon Miller, who has not done much of anything offensively, back-to-back trips, back-to-back threes, and Wu-Pig Sui was not being heard in that building after that. It's it's 11, and it's over, and he's just that quick. He gets lost in the game, plays the game. He's just He's just another really, really good guy. And then all of a sudden, he's an assassin. It, it's, uh, it is really, really cool to watch. Glad he's wearing an Alabama uniform. Love the insight of Chris Stewart. He's only with me for a few more minutes because he literally has to get with the team on the plane and head to Knoxville midweek for Alabama, and Tennessee. Yes. Uh, I don't yeah. know that they I don't they might call you first before they left you. And I don't want that call to come while I'm talking to you. All right. So let's yeah. get through. Let's get through this. 
two more ways. Number one, Nate Oates. You're around him. You do the radio show. You do the television show, et cetera, et cetera, and around him. Uh, what do we not know about why the success is happening? Give me a thing or two that that really should be illuminated. This is why this guy as a coach succeeds in getting through to his players. This is why his teams succeed. What should we know more of if we don't know it? Because he's still a teacher. And he still attacks it the same way he did when he's coaching high school ball in Michigan. Um, He's still coaching it and attacking it the way he did at Buffalo when he didn't have the ridiculous number of five stars and parade All-American. I mean, look, they're not all in the same class, but he's got four parade All-Americans on his team. Mm. McDonald's All-Americans, whatever we call them. I'm old school. Right, I'm still right. thinking Parade Magazine. But there's there's four McDonald's All-Americans on this team. Two of them are, are freshmen that start, uh, sometimes three. So you either have one or two that come off the bench. That's a nice luxury to have. It's unbelievable, the talent that he's got available. But he still coaches them like he does and he's still get getting the and people know about the blue collar you know the hard hat award that they give out which is almost it's kind of a gimmick it's a fun thing but it it's real there are real points that they give you for um you know blue collar type stuff loose balls uh forcing tie-ups all sorts of things we think of as hustle plays that determine winning and losing that may not involve directly putting the ball in the net. So those are things that matter to him. They matter to his kids. He's got them to, he's got a roster full of guys who have started everywhere else they've been, whether that was in high school, prep school, college, junior college. Okay. He's got 11 scholarship players on his roster that would start virtually everywhere else that they could go. Virtually, not everywhere, but most other places they could go. Uh, He only lets you start five. He's got 11 of them. And they play unselfishly. They play together. They play tough. They hustle. And, oh, by the way, they're really talented too. So I I just think the way that he gets – the, the mentality that he demands they play with combined with the skill that they already have is a special combo, and it's why they've got a chance to be as good as anybody by season's end. Love that. All right, this is interesting because before I hit the record button, you said you do know we're rolling into Knoxville as the number one team in basketball after we rolled into Knoxville as the number one yeah. team in football. That did not exactly yeah. work out, I know, yeah. in Knoxville in a wild game back uh, in October in the football season. What did you tell me first time we believe since Ohio State 2010 that the team has been number one in football and in basketball? And now Tennessee wounded off the near midcourt shot loss with Missouri hitting it at the buzzer. Just give me something on this. It's such a great rivalry. And now Alabama comes in as the number one team and they'll be they'll be jumping um without a doubt there, yeah i mean yeah there are no penalty no penalty flags in uh in basketball so we we got flagged 17 times 
in Neyland Stadium in football, I'll give you the basketball equivalent as long as we don't turn it over 17 times, which can easily happen against a team that defends as well as Tennessee does. So if you avoid 17 again being a negative number for you, uh, I'll take my chances with this team. But they're really good. They are wounded. Not only have they lost back-to-back games, they've done it at the buzzer after leading, I think, with 4.2 seconds to go in both of those and and lose on a last-second shot, literally. Ball in the air, buzzer sounds, you lose the ball game back-to-back, or they look – I mean, they're top five. You know, maybe number – this could have, this could very easily be number one versus number two, with Tennessee one and Alabama's the two, had they been able to, uh, you know, defend those last two plays the way Rick Barnes wanted them to. Here's the problem. They defend for 59 – uh, excuse me, for uh, 39 minutes and 55.8 seconds really well, but they didn't on those last two plays, those last two sequences. And if they if they defend like they are capable of, man, are they a handful. All right, we'll see how it fares there. Georgia on the weekend for Alabama. I will probably bother you again at some point in March Anytime. when this goes along. I know you've got to go get on a plane uh, the number one team is coming for Thompson Bowling Arena midweek, Wednesday night, as we're taping this for Alabama and Tennessee, and that rivalry renews. Chris Stewart, thank you. Always great to have you on College Basketball Coast to Coast. Be safe getting to Knoxville, and continued success with everything you've got going on and the Tide have got going on. Thank you, sir. Anytime, bro. Appreciate you. Great stuff from Chris. As always, let's wrap it up here on College Basketball Coast to Coast with some insight on the field of 68, I know our buddy Chris Dobertine does a great job on bloggingthebracket.com. Chris will be with me coming up here uh, as the show gets more frequent with his latest bracket installments. I can read off of them, though, here on this Valentine's Day. He's got the latest bracket out. Let's get into all of this on what Chris thinks. And also Mike DeCourcy here on this Tuesday has put out on social media his groupings of teams that are the last four in, et cetera, and who he's leaving out. Let's do it officially. Who's in, in or out, out for the big dance in March? Love this time of the year. We are inside of a month on Selection Sunday to figure out who's in, who's out. Now, for Mike DeCourcy, who was just with us from the Sporting News, he has put his bracket forecast out on uh, Fox Sports' social media, on his own social media as well. You can go take a look on Twitter, on the different social media handles of uh, Fox Sports' college basketball online and on social interesting for the who's in for the last four in in the first four mike in his latest reveal has texas a&m playing clemson with the winner to be an 11 seed in the tournament so texas a&m clemson in the first four for mike DeCourcy. a&m really coming on clemson's faltered a little bit as of late then usc and mississippi state southern cal and mississippi state are the final two components for his first four He has got them uh, plugging in as a 12 seed on the bracket forecast. Interesting that Mike has North Carolina safely in the field right now, not in the first four. Carolina took that loss on Monday night to Miami, but he does not have Kentucky in his field of 68. Uh, So uh, while Carolina's in, Kentucky is not in on Mike's forecast. Now, as far as Chris Dobertine on who's in, who's out, bloggingthebracket.com. I love Chris's insight uh for his first 
uh, four in uh, Dayton. We take a look at that first four. He has got uh, Arizona State and New Mexico playing for an 11 seed. Interesting. He's got them in the first four. And also Mississippi State and Oregon, a Pac-12 school, not USC. So the only one that Mike and Chris agree on in the first four is Mississippi State out of their four. And this is all subject to change. I get that. On Chris's latest bra- uh, bloggingthebracket.com release, his uh, last uh, four uh, or his first four out, his first four out are Kentucky, North Carolina, Wisconsin, and USC. So again, where Mike has North Carolina in the field safely, uh, Chris Dobertine has them in the first four out now, along with Kentucky. Chris Dobertine has Clemson on the next four out, by the way, along with Seton Hall, Penn State, and Michigan for what it's worth. So there you go with a little in or uh, out. Uh, Check uh, Chris's uh, stuff again at bloggingthebracket.com for the explanations as to why on uh, the last four in and the last four out. By the way, Chris has Arkansas, Boise State, Memphis, and Texas A&M as his last teams right now in the field at large without being in the first four. The first four teams, again, for Chris Dobertine, are um, Mississippi State, Oregon, New Mexico, and Arizona State on his. Go to bloggingthebracket.com to find out more from him. My thanks again to Mike DeCourcy, the Hall of Famer in the U.S. Basketball Writers Hall of Fame. Uh, You can follow him at TSN Mike. Thanks to Chris Stewart, the voice of Alabama basketball on the Crimson Tide Sports Network, Bama and uh, Tennessee midweek, Bama and Georgia. Bama hosting Georgia on the weekend as the number one team in the country. Follow Chris at C. Stewart Sports on social media, on Twitter for everything with Alabama and their hoops coverage. And again, we thank you for being with us on College Basketball Coast to Coast, our partnership with Last Word on Sports, their podcast network, and all the hoops coverage all the way through March and the Final Four. Last Word on Sports, uh, the podcast network. And again, you can find College Basketball Coast to Coast wherever you get podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, etc. For now, we are good uh, on this edition of College Basketball Coast to Coast. I'm merely TJ Reeves. Enjoy the games, the March, the Madness, and Mayhem is underway with a couple of weeks to go. We'll be here for it on College Basketball Coast to Coast.